0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, I'm your host Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Uh, with injury and unavailability ravaging the Echo sports desk, there's no Kirk Bride, no Prentice, no Buckland, no Beasley and no Carroll,
1: but I am pleased to say one of our big names has made it and that's mm-hmm. our Everton FC reporter Adam Jones. Adam, you okay mate? I'm alright mate, and. Despite the injury setbacks, I think we are the only two people that matter. I'm making a big statement <laughs> to hope start so. off this podcast.
0: <laughs> I hope so. Well, yeah, it is just the two of us. You've probably realised that now. So we have opened this podcast up to our listeners and we will be answering some of the questions that have been left on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks very much for submitting those. Uh, but before we get to that and um, before we get Adam's take on Marco Silva's press conference earlier this morning, just a reminder that we are hosting our first ever Royal Blue Live event at the Baltic Market in Liverpool. This coming Wednesday, that's February the twenty seventh. It features Alan Myers, Michael Ball, Greg O'Keefe, and our own Phil Kirkbride and Dave Prentice. And if not, you've not got yours yet. Tickets cost five pounds, include a free drink, and they can be bought online at eventbrite.co.uk. Should be a good night, shouldn't it? Mate? Can't go
1: wrong. Like five uh, and a free pint. You're essentially just paying a fiver for a pint. You are. And, and yeah. For a yeah. Nice, nice Q and A. Nice quiz. Prenos quiz is absolutely ridiculously hard. I will. I can confirm this. Preno, let me have a look at the quiz. Uh, The other day, so I won't be taking part. Uh, Yeah, let me have a look, and it is some of them questions are just ludicrous. You I can't I can't wait for the reaction to them, to be honest. Well,
0: there you go. That's one reason to come. And I you say you, you're surrounded by your fellow Evertonians and you've got four or five guys there who've, who've covered, well, one who's played for Everton, obviously, in bowling and four mm-hmm. guys who've been covering Everton for years. It should be a really good night. If you haven't got your ticket, you've still got time. Uh, but now to the podcast itself. And Adam, as I said, you were down at Finch Farm earlier today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spoke
1: and listened to Marco Silva. What kind of mood was the Everton manager in? Um, he was in a bit of an interesting mood today. Like, uh, as everyone tends to know now, there's a the televised press conference which is live streamed on YouTube that Everton do. And uh, in those press conferences, uh, Marco's quite standard. He's very, very calm and very forthright with his answers. Uh, obviously, it's been a long while since we've even heard from the manager. You know, uh, being involved in this sort of 17 day break, it was kind of nice to you know sit down and actually listen to him speak again. But uh, yeah, there was a, there was a little bit. At the end of the uh, press conference, where he had a little bit of a snap to one of the questions, uh, one of the reporters asked him, uh, Is he going to radically change anything uh, over the break? And I think quite rightly he said, No, we're, we're not going to radically change anything because then what's the point of, you know, we had some good form throughout October and November. Like we'll, ju- we'll just be kind of casting that aside if we radically change anything. And then the reporter asked a little follow up question saying, Oh, well, you can't be happy with what's gone on here. And, Silver bit back for the first time really, saying, Well, I'd never said I was happy. So where where are you getting that from? Like I just said we're not gonna radically change anything. So it was it was interesting to see that little bit of needle from him today. But uh, in general I think it was just standard Marco Silva press conference. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. You, you could deduce that it was a man feeling the pressure after a really poor run of results. But also, I, was it nice to see him like that? Because he is so polished, isn't he? He doesn't really give too much away in press conferences. But it's probably one of the first times, as you said there, where he, he showed a bit of his character, that feisty mm.
1: side. You are, you, often throughout those kinds of press conferences and with post-match press, press conferences as well, uh, you'll see sometimes there'll be difficult questions posed to him and a lot of the time he'll just say well I understand why you're asking this question and then he'd go on to give quite a mature reasoned answer a lot of the time. still think he gave a mature reasoned answer today. it was just the he, he really it really didn't sit well with him that uh, he did he just didn't understand why this this follow-up question was asked at all. And uh, yeah, I can kind of see both sides of the argument. Yeah, like I think any manager in this sort of situation with the way that modern football is, I think it would be a bit weird if he wasn't feeling some sort of pressure. Like obviously he knows that results aren't going well. Uh, He'll be the first to tell you that he's not happy with the way Everton are performing, the way results have went, the way Everton are sitting in the table at the minute. So, you know, he'll be feeling that sort of pressure where he'll be like, oh, well, this is a big chance now for me to try and, Put, put the record straight, get everything back firing up the table uh, but at the same time it is qu- quite nice to see him have that sort of you know, bite back, you know that little bit of fight, that little bit of passion you know, it it, it is kind of nice to try and see that from managers in press conferences because you know, it, press conferences can't be particularly nice experiences for managers, like especially with ones like today, it was an extremely busy press conference today because of how long Everton have been away? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot, of, a lot of people wanting to have their own little say with the manager. So it can't, it can't really have been nice to be faced with a room full of twenty people like me. So <laughs> all staring
0: at it, yeah, all staring
1: <laughs> at you, all want waiting for you to give that right answer. So yeah, I think, it, I think it is a little bit nice of him to, you know, just show that little bit of passion and energy. Yeah, I think, I think in general, a lot of Everton fans will like to see that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, just to draw the curtain back on what press conferences are like—that's the open part, as you said. Mm-hmm. It's the one you can watch on Sky, you can watch online, you can you can listen to online on our Royal Blue podcast channel. Uh, after it, mm-hmm. you or Phil, whoever's down there, both of you, you then get a chance to go speak to Marco away from the cameras. Is that right? And have a, a bit of a one-on-one.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a little uh, there's a little side room to the press conference room, essentially. So as soon as, as soon as Marco's finished uh, speaking to the televised media he will go in a separate room, usually and speak to a uh, Everton TV and have their little uh, little interview there and uh in a connecting room. Uh, whether it's me, whether it's Phil, whether it's Preno or whatever, we'll be we'll be waiting and uh, he'll come through and we'll get our uh, five ten minute chat with him uh, to discuss every everything that we want to talk about. And I think he is he is a little bit different in those sorts of like one on one chats because, as I say, it must be a little bit intimidating and a little bit. You know, stressful to have to sit in front of you know these the watching media with all those cameras on you, all wanting to pick up on you everywhere. It's a little bit different in our one-on-one, uh, our one-on-one chats because it is literally just like a one-on-one chat. You know, like we're having now. Really, like we still ask the same sort of searching questions, but it is only speaking to one person I, yeah. think, I think it takes a, a little bit of the pressure off and you kind of see his personality th- flow through a little bit more I tend to find he's often a, a lot more open I feel when he's sitting down and just chatting to you one on one I think he'll give essentially just better answers you know he's he's a lot more likely to open up on how he really feels about the situation uh, so yeah I think he does, he does change a little bit in our separate chats and just to, to be honest, I hope that continues. I think it is. I think it's really nice that we get our own separate time with him, and that he is so open with us. Yeah,
0: because that can change, can't it? You know, managers,
1: mm. unfortunately,
0: in this position, in the past, when they've had a the bad of results, not just at Everton, at all different football clubs, can say, "No, we're not doing that anymore." Oh, well, yeah, exactly. You know, and and that's poor, isn't it? Well, yeah,
1: you know? he's st- he's still standing up and facing the music, essentially. And I think he's given, whenever he's asked any of those like troubling or searching questions, it's not as if he's, you know pounding them away like other Everton managers in the recent past, which I w- will remain lameless, <laughs> but I think everyone can guess who I mean. Uh, he's He's gone a very different way than them, and I think it's probably the right way credit where it's uh, due for that then with Marco uh, Silva
0: but you know the bottom line is there'll be a lot of Evertonians listening to this who will be saying well still got questions about him you know it is 10 hmm. defeats in, in 16 Cardiff tomorrow night had that 17 break 17 day break that you've talked about there hopefully everyone's refreshed you had time to work on things
1: how important is this Cardiff match for him and, and, and the players? I mean, you've got to say it's vital really like you can't you can't have had a 17 day break um, you know it's it was such a big opportunity for the manager. Uh, not sh- like, as he said in his separate chat with me, it, it wasn't just to rest the players physically because it was a hectic period. I'd say from December up until February, it was a really hectic period of the games. Especially in February, having that rescheduled Man City game that nobody will have been quite ready for. Like that was a, that will have taken its toll, but mentally as well, you know, those players will have been. Suffering, And I think it was after that City game that Silver said, right, just don't even ask me about set pieces anymore or zone or because it's in the players' heads. Yeah. Like, and, you know, when you've got just game after game after game, you'll have a game and then you'll have a recovery day. You'll have maybe one day where you'll be able to do an actual training session and then you're straight into another match and it's just not really healthy for the team who's going through a transition such as ours. So you're hoping over this 17-day break, you know, he's given the players a little bit of time off, a little bit of chance to refresh themselves. And then you've got to be drilling into them for a week, maybe 10 days. Look, this is the way we were playing earlier in the season. This is what was working for us. We need to get back to doing this. And I think it's right that Silva's not doing any sort of radical changes because you do forget it was working. Like there was a spell between October and November-ish maybe start of December as well where Everton were playing some really good football like should have should have won a few more games than they actually did not denying that but some of the performances were making fans sit up and think oh yeah this is this is a club that's in the right direction need to try and get back to that level now and you know as, as we'll get on to later you know got the Merseyside derby coming up at the weekend Cardiff have just hit what was a really bad result against Watford yeah. but Everton should be looking at that Watford game and going, right, okay, we've got better players than Watford, we should be we should be exploiting this Cardiff defence just as much as Watford did you know, used to say that Richarlison can't do what Delefeu did you know, it, it could easily happen, and um, we should be aiming for that to happen, got to try and build as much confidence as possible going into that derby because you know what that United game showed me Liverpool can be got at as well, mm. and they're not like their front three's not performing well. Like, we can't we can have them, so you know, you've just got to build up as much confidence as possible in that Cardiff game because, as you say, the run of form before that break was unacceptable. Well, carry on with
0: that their side derby. Obviously, we won't go full in on it because. We've got Cardiff to get out of the way. There'll be a Royal Blue, a Royal Blue podcast on on Fridays to come, and obviously we've got our Royal Blue li- live night that people will be talking about it there. But mm-hmm. you're right, there isn't it? It does feel like you can't separate these two games. You know, a win on Cardiff on Tuesday and everyone's just up a little bit, and you know, then you begin mm-hmm. to think, you know, is there a mm-hmm. chance that Everton can, you know, halt Liverpool's march? Defeat though, it just wouldn't help the mood whatsoever, would it, going into that game? if To no. lose in the, you know, in the Welsh capital.
1: No, and I feel, I feel like. Again, United at Old Trafford showed the importance of what like a really good atmosphere can bring to a match because they made they made it really tough for the Liverpool players to be to just even step out onto the pitch. Really, like, and I think it did affect a few of those Liverpool players, especially in that second half. You know, when United were at the back, well, they should have really had the backs against the wall. You know, had to make basically Rashford, didn't he? Had to know. make all three subs in the first half, and then Liverpool came out in the second half and just didn't really do anything at all. Say the the best chance of the match felt to United and Lingard. So Everton have got to try and do that if possible. You know, you've you've just got to make Goodison that sort of bare pit atmosphere that we all know it can be. And I'm pretty sure it will be for any sort of Merseyside derby, but it's just, as you say, it's just going to make it so much easier if you're coming off the back of that, off the back of what we're all hoping is going to be a really good performance against Cardiff, because if you're going into it off the back of a defeat, then you're just thinking, oh, if Liverpool start that game well, how would Goodison going to react to it? You know, et cetera, et cetera. If we can, if Everton can get a good result against Cardiff, comfortable, comfortable win, not even like batter them, let's say comfortable 2-0 win, let's say, you'd instantly go on into that derby. If Everton start well, first 10 minutes or so, first 15 minutes, like, like they did against Man City, I have to say, maybe take advantage of a couple of those chances instead this time. And you're thinking you can really make it difficult for Liverpool to even be there. And, you know, last season, Everton, I know it was a weakened Liverpool team, but Everton really should have won the Goodison derby last season. And you've just, and it were crap last season. So you've got to be thinking that Everton can really, really hurt this Liverpool team. And yeah, going in, going into it off the back of a win against Cardiff, you've got to say he's pretty crucial. It's interesting the analogy you make with United there because there's no doubt Solskjaer deserves a lot of
0: credit for what he's he's done uh, in turning that ship around after Mourinho left. But, you know, you can see how different the players are. Mm-hmm. A lot of focus at Everton has, has been on Marco Silva continues to be when we come to the fans' questions and then listener questions in a minute. mainly about the Mm. manager it's time for the players to step up now they've had this break you're right they had a lot of games between December and February but is it time now you know there's a lot of good players in that squad is it time they, they start showing
1: it yeah I think those those players should absolutely be much higher up the table like you look at you look at our squad compared to everyone else in the league and you're thinking right that is probably the seventh best squad in the league like without question we've got a better squad than Wolves Leicester Watford uh, Bournemouth West Ham and the likes, likes of them are above us at the minute and you know the manager can take a lot of accountability for that and I'm not saying that the, he doesn't shoulder any of the blame like I think he does I think a lot of people shoulder a lot of the blame for this but it doesn't mean the players should be excused like their performance levels have noticeably dropped and I think the problem is that you see in a lot of these players in this squad. It's not just under Silver that this has happened. This has happened under Allardyce. This happened under Cumin. You know, some of them go back as far as Martinez. Some of them go back as far as Moyes. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know just, they're just not consistently performing. And you know, there's only so much. There's only so much that you can look at the manager because you know it's it, it's very obvious that Everton need to have a massive clear out for me in the summer, yet again. There's so many players there who just don't look like they're ever going to find their feet again at Everton. And it's a real shame, to be honest. And, you know, how much how much can that be a manager's fault? Mm-hmm. Like, if if a player's not performing well, if he's not got the right attitude, then what, what can you really do as a manager? You know, you can do all you can in training, but once they walk out onto the pitch, there's not a lot a manager can really do. So, yeah, I think the players do have to shoulder a lot of this blame. And I think that having had this break and having had this time to reflect and refresh, you know, they've got to be coming out all guns blazing against Cardiff. Try and give that, you know, the fantastic away support something to really cheer about because it's been severely lacking over the last few months. Definitely, I know a lot of Evertonians
0: believe, and I'll see if you agree with this, that it's uh, a team lacking leaders or not got mm-hmm. enough leaders in it two players you talked about being fit for the trips of Cardiff were Phil Jagielka and Leighton Baines now I think you'd be hard pressed to say that say Baines he should be ahead of Luca Dean in mm-hmm. the in order or if Jag should be ahead of Keane and Zuma who've had overall pretty solid mm-hmm. seasons but do you think there's a time when you are struggling like this that you, you might need players like that in your lineup? I think
1: yeah I think I think I completely agree that Everton are lacking leaders I think it's been a problem that's plagued Everton for a little while, to be honest. I think since the days of, like, I know Phil Neville wasn't exactly a fantastic footballer, but I think Everton were noticeably worse when Phil Neville wasn't in the side for like the closing stages of his career, because he just brought that sort of leadership that nobody else in the squad really seemed to have. You know, we had likes of Tim Cale, who was, you know, a fantastic icon in that sort of squad, but there was nobody who had those sort of real leadership qualities that Phil Neville possessed. And, while I think Phil Jagielka is a fantastic club captain off the field, I think he's like an amazing ambassador for the club on the pitch. You know, you, even then, you can say maybe he's lacking those sort of qualities that Phil Neville had. But at the same time, I feel like Everton are missing his sort of mm-hmm. influence. And it'll be interesting to see what happens against Cardiff because you're expecting that Jagielka's probably going to play. Like Silva said, there's still doubts over Yerimina's Mina's fitness. If there is, then Jagielka's got to play because Zuma can't after his post-match sending off against Watford. So that'll be Jagielka's first appearance since Chelsea away in November. It'll be his first start since the first game of the season. Like, it'll be a massive, massive test for him to see if he can instantly slot himself back into this squad. But if he does, and he is the leader that we all know he can be, then does he stake his claim for the rest of the season? Like... It'll be it'll be really interesting dy- dynamic to see what happens if he does really play well and he does show off those leadership qualities. As for Leighton Baines, I think he's still a phenomenally brilliant footballer. I think he's got a lot of qualities about him. We've seen it recently, you know, that how he started that game against Huddersfield before he got injured. I, think I thought he was absolutely brilliant for those 55-60 yeah. minutes he was on the pitch. I thought he was absolutely fantastic and it's... I don't know, it's really weird to say that he won't be in the team. You know, it, it, it's hard to leave out a player of such quality, but it shows how well Luca Dean started, that, yeah, he absolutely does take that left-back starting place. But, I don't know, do you, do you try and find, find a different place for Leighton Baines to slot in? You know, does does he come in at left-back and then Dean goes on the wing? Does Baines go in the wing? Does he come into defensive midfield? You know, like a Philip Lahm-esque yeah. sort of role. I wouldn't mind seeing that at some point uh, if we're going to be experimenting for the rest of the season but yeah I think again he has got some leadership qualities that we definitely do need to see back in the team so yeah it will be interesting to see uh, well I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of their contract situation because uh, both have contracts aren't you? yeah both have contract at the end of the year at the end of the season there's been it's been quite quiet on the front of maybe being in talks or having any sort of renewal so yeah, it'll be an interesting few months to see if they can force their way back into the lineup a few more times.
0: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I tell you what, I completely forgot about Zuma's suspension. I've put Watford out my, my, my head completely 17 days ago and I've definitely yeah. put what happened after the game out my head completely. Yeah. Is a two-game ban, isn't it, for Zuma? Or is it just a one? I is it just think one? it's just the one. So yeah, because you'd want him probably back for the I Guardians. hope it's just the one. <laughs> the one back. So that that said, no Zuma uh, Tuesday night. How do you line up? You know, given that it does look like Mina's going to miss out,
1: uh, I'd go pick for the goal uh, for quite obvious reasons. Uh, he's, he's not of the, the best of seasons, but he's not. No, but like, yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not thinking about Martin Stecklenberg in there. I probably put Hal Virginia in before I put Stecklenberg in. Uh, I'd stick with Kenny at right back. I think he was he was. Very, very good. Like in those, I know we had disappointing results in those matches just before the break, but especially in that Man City game, I thought he was excellent down that uh, right flank. I think he's offering a bit more going forward than Seamus Coleman. I think his quality in the final third, especially with his crosses into the box, are a little bit better than Coleman's been producing. And defensively, he's been quite solid over the last few weeks. So, yeah, I'd, I'd keep Kenny in. Uh, I think Jagielka and Keane have to pick themselves really. If well. Say if Mina's going to be out, uh, Silver did say there's a doubt over him. Didn't sound too confident. I have to say, reading in between the lines, so I would think that Jackie Elkhard will be starting uh, Dean at left back. Uh, I'd go interesting with my midfield three. I'd keep Tom Davison. I think he's done more than enough to.
0: Yeah, he's really come on these last few yeah, games. actually
1: again with like with Kenny coming in as well. I think again against Man City I thought Davis in that first half in particular was really really good he was showing off his passing range really well I think he was dominating what was a really talented Man City midfield so I'd like to see him given as many more chances as possible from now until the end of the season to see if he can really you know uh, try and establish himself in that midfield and I think he needs for that to happen he needs to be given a more attacking role more of a three Mm -hmm. role almost like allowing him to do whatever he wants, that would mean for me leaving Gilfie Sigurdsson out. So I'd pair him with Gomez and Guy. Mm-hmm. I think Gomez in particular would be really interesting to see because uh, this is probably the first season that he's not had any sort of winter break. He's looked tired, hasn't he? He's he did dead. look tired. Uh, now he really didn't play all that much football for Barcelona last last season yeah. either. So you can understand why, you know, from that busy period, he's probably been... In the side, was it mid October that he came in against Palace? He's probably been the mainstay in the side from then until you know mid February. Like it's, it's gonna take it out of a player who's not played all that much football, especially when he's used to having a winter break. So you'd hope, uh, out of all the players that are, you'd hope are refreshed over this two week period, you're hoping that Gomez is the one because he's got he's got so much quality in him. has he like, he can just he's got so much strength. Uh, so much skill. You know, he's shown off that he can score goals as well now. So, yeah, I think giving him giving him and Davis potentially just the exact same role. Uh, not really an attack and mid, but like two free roles. Mm-hmm. Just letting Guy sit in front of the back four uh, and letting Gomez and Davis do what they want because you don't really need two sitting midfielders, I don't think, against Cardiff away. Like, no offence to Cardiff, but I don't think you you really need that at all. So, I'd give... Gomez and Davis as much freedom to roam forward as possible and then front three uh, I'd be starting Dominic Calvert-Lewin I think those Cardiff centre-backs are going to be up for a physical battle and I think Calvert-Lewin provides our best chance of giving them that sort of physical battle Uh, and I think he links better with Richarlison coming in off the wing so I'd played Richarlison left wing and Adam Ola Loughman right wing because Loughman and Calvert-Lewin also have some quite quite nice connection. Chemistry, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd i try and hit them with as much pace and skill in the wide areas as we possibly can. So, yeah, it's a bit, a bit harsh on Bernard and Sigurdsson perhaps to leave them out, but you know, having those kinds of options off the bench are going to be going to be really good. So, yeah, I th- that team should have enough quality to beat Carter for me. So, if that was your lineup, what's your prediction then? Uh, if that lineup <coughs> plays, I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. I think you've got to try and you've got to try and get a clean sheet. Really, I know it's going to be hard because they're going to try and focus on the set pieces and the zonal mark and quite a bit. I think I think a two nil win, two 0 win for Everton.
0: Yeah, I think I'll go along with. That. I was really happy on Friday night, not just because of the result, because if they were the one, I think people probably realise at home that. And then if it would have been Everton again, the gap would have been two points. For yeah. that was a big result mm. for, for Everton on Friday night. Hopefully it's it's not the stuffing out of a bit, you know, because we mm. were on a great roll. Obviously, there's a lot of things that's happened off the field. There's a lot of emotion down there yeah. at the moment, understandably. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I'll go with two 0 as well. So uh, fingers crossed, the Blues do the business in the Welsh capital. Uh, we will now go on to the questions that have been left on Twitter and our Royal Blue Facebook page. We'll start on Twitter from Stu Ely. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot are all about Marco Silva, but he mm-hmm. says the press conference. Today, there was a sentence said by Silver which was very telling. He said, I'm here as long as the club believe in my job. Is that a talk of a man under pressure and has had the dreaded votes of confidence via machiri? Is he here to stay or will he be gone
1: soon? Um, I don't think that, that sentence in particular is a, is the mark of a man under pressure. I think that you, you could really say that about any manager in any job in the world. Like, if, if the board don't believe in you anymore, then you'd you're not going to be in a job anymore. I think the 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 main point that I take out of Silva's appointment in the first place is that Brands and Machedi were very keen to get him in at the start of the at the start of the season. You know, it was very obvious that Everton was setting up for this big project, which is going to be you know a two three year thing. Really, like he's only really had one transfer window. Can't really count January because we didn't make any signings. So you, you 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 need to give him more. Time. I don't think it's the sign of a manager who's feeling that he's going to be gone anytime soon. I think it's just manager who's quite realistic about his position at a club, and I think that's all, I think that's nice to see. It's following on from that, uh,
0: someone called WW uh, has said on Twitter: How long? Good do you name. don't <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. That's> know <laughs> what it stands for. It's not E, e or F at the end. Uh, but WW, thanks for sending your question. Is Williams? <laughs> I'm going to call. Them. How long do you think Silver has, or are the board giving him this season to get rid of the
1: rubbish in the team? Uh, Yeah, I'd be very disappointed if that wasn't the case. I think, as I say, like he was quite clearly brought in at the start of the season to lead this sort of project. And new managers always go through spells of bad form. And granted, I don't think anyone particularly realised how long this spell of bad form was going to be. But I think this, you know, sort of extended break could be the perfect way to try and put that behind us and try and focus on, you know, just finishing the season strongly. And I think, you know, if you bring in a manager at the start of the season, quite clearly focused around a project that's gonna last for two, maybe three years, you can't really just jump ship like halfway through a campaign. Like it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to me. You're instantly hitting the reset button, you're setting yourself a year behind again. And you've got to bring in a new manager. Like who who comes in to be the new manager then? Like, you look at, at Leicester who've just sacked. Claude Puel mm-hmm. and now they're getting linked with Allardyce, Moyes Rogers, Benitez a lot of the ones on yeah. the I don't aren't they. want any of them at Everton to be honest so yeah I think Silva's still the best option faith in the project is still the best option absolutely again
0: similar subject but a bit different this one Mike Sullivan says do you think that if we somehow win the World Cup derby on Sunday <laughs> <watching that's> <laughs> to, uh, Mr Klopp's comments uh, at the weekend probably come to that later in the week as well but <laughs> he says uh, that's Barring a free fall into the relegation zones, all questions over Silver's job will be put on hold until at least next season. P.S. This kind of works only
1: if we beat Cardiff. Uh, Okay. I think if we beat Liverpool and somehow stop them winning the league, I'd build a statue of like <laughs> outside me flat, to be honest. <laughs> like, imagine that. Like you I know, and champagne, oh, champagne yeah, tribute to yeah. it every morning. Like <laughs> I know I know I say this before every derby, but like it would be great if Everton won this derby, wouldn't it? Like, especially with them going for the league. Uh, yeah, and I do I do kind of understand. I just think with especially with the amount amount of tough home games Everton have still got from now to the end of the season You've got to be looking for a big result against one of, if not more, of, you know, one of those big six sides, let's say. So you've still got Liverpool to come, United, Arsenal and Chelsea. they all still to come to Goodison. You know, Chelsea aren't in a great spell at the minute. Perhaps targeting that one is one that you can take three points out of. You know, and as I said earlier, United have shown that this Liverpool side can be gotter. If you play them the right way, if the crowd are behind Everton, then... Absolutely, can get at Liverpool, and uh, yeah, if Silver does win that derby, it does take a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? Like you can't say you can't say that it won't, and yeah, I think I do agree that it does ri- rely a lot on getting a win against Cardiff because you know suddenly you're, you're looking at that saying another six points, you probably you've probably pushed yourself into eighth mm-hmm. at least, uh, hunting seventh down again. And then I think at the end, like by the, if by the end of the season, if Everton finished seventh, you'll say, all right, fair enough. That wasn't the best season, but seventh is still an improvement slightly on last season. So it's one, it, it's a building block that you can then go forward in the future. So yeah, I, I, I would agree that a Liverpool win does take a lot of pressure off, as it should. Mark
0: Allison, he says it's a fairly simple question. I don't know if the manager actually knows the answer to it, but his question is, does Silva know what his best team is?
1: Uh, I would suggest that the chopping and changing before the break is means the answer is no. And I don't think anyone knows what Everton's best team is at the minute. Like we put, we put our team selectors out for every single match, like the morning of every game. And we've got our one for tomorrow uh, already. And all four of us have all gone for (laughs) different teams. (laughs) So like, you know, it, it, and so many fans are going to have different teams to us as well. You know, it is it is just, it's so tough at the minute, especially when you've got a lot of players in such a bad run of form. Like, it, it is hard. Like, I know I mentioned my team before. A lot of people probably have Sigurdsson in their mm-hmm. teams. A lot of people probably have Bernard in. Might want to have Walcott in, Towson in, Richarlison up front. You know, so many different variables. Uh, I think it makes it harder when... He, silver still hasn't got everyone fit i think Yeni mina's fitness will probably be a massive frustration to him especially when uh probably the best performance of the season so far was 5-1 win against burnley and we played three at the back so you know we might have wanted to play that sort of style a little bit more if but yeah i don't, I don't think silver does now, and i to be honest, I'd be worried at the minute if you didn't know what his, what his best <laughs> team was, because I can't see it. <laughs> and just a final one
0: from James Harper on our Royal Blue Facebook page. He says, what do you guys think the clubs need to do to offload all the deadwood? I are no summer out of contracts in the summer. For the ones who are on long contracts, what does the club do to get rid of them? I hope. <sighs> pray. Beg. <laughs> you have, have deep pockets if you pay them off, aren't you? It, yeah. Or take a hit. I, I think you're going to have
1: to take a hit. I, th- I think that is... That is the general answer. You've got to take a hit. I think you'd look at the Davy classen situation in particular in the summer. Club took quite a sizable hit just a season after he came. Uh, it's all about the players' desire to leave at the end of the day as well. Like The problem that you're going to face is that you're going to have a few of these players on longer contracts who are going to be... On a lot of money as well. We'll never be on the money they've got here. Yeah, exactly. The other club, they'll have should. to take a massive pay cut. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, we had a me and Sam have been running a loan series mm-hmm. over the yeah, past really week Really good. Really good. And uh, the Sandro Ramirez one, I thought was really interesting. Uh, and you know, there'll be like it was interesting to read that there will still be a lot of interest in him from Spanish sides. You know, he could still be a really useful La Liga mm-hmm. player, but. He's on so much money at Everton. Yeah. He would have to take a massive hit if he was ever to leave Everton.
0: You can so actually envisage him being here for the rest of his contacts and going out
1: on the That's next season. That, that's it. It, it's all, it does come down to a player's desire to leave at the end of the day and take those massive hits on wages. So, you know, it is a it is a fine line to walk. And if, I, to be honest, I wouldn't want to be Marcel Brands in the summer trying to offload I won't name any more names, but like the we all know the kind of players that we're talking about who are on massive wages and who just aren't really going to cut it at Everton again, just don't really have a future. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot of a lot of pressure on brands to try and get just get any sort of deal for them. Like, and I think as you say, like it it is all about just you know we've got to take a financial hit, and I think that's something the machinery will hopefully be on board with. Good stuff, mate. Thanks very much for answering those questions and
0: thanks very much for sending an in. We'll be back after the game at Cardiff for post-game podcast. We've got loads going on the podcast front this week. Obviously, we've got our Royal Blue live night mm-hmm. on, on Wednesday. Hopefully, get a podcast out of that. Hopefully, you come up first and foremost and then I think Ian Crawls back with his view from the and season on Friday. Royal Blue again. Big game to preview, isn't it, mate?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one that I don't want to think about at the minute. You'll feel a lot better
0: come Wednesday morning after a hangover, after a night out in Cardiff with three points in the bag. Yes, yes, yes.
1: I'm looking forward to that Cardiff night out, to be fair. Good stuff, mate. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. No worries.
0: You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.